Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. And, well, Jim, you know, just when it looks like the Twins are kind of on the downslide a little bit, they win two out of three in Philadelphia against a team that came in red hot to get a couple of stellar pitching performances in the second and third games after getting kind of pounded uh, in game one. But two out of three in Philadelphia, that's a good weekend for them. Uh, really is, especially after a disappointing outing by Keiko Friday night where he just didn't seem to have the stuff to compete mm-hmm. at that level. Uh, Phillies have been very hot lately. Harper's been gotten healthy and gotten hot. Trey Turner started swinging the bat better. They have Schwarber, they have Baum, they have Castellanos. It's also one of the best hitting parks in the big leagues. And Lopez and Sonny Gray pitched 12 shutout innings. That's really impressive. Uh, they end up with two victories. Uh, field bar was excellent. Pagan was excellent. Duran looks like he's just a little off right now, whether it's dead arm or whether something else is going on with him. But he got through it on Sunday. And so they come home after, you know, bad stretch. No doubt about it, bad stretch. They come home uh, with a four-and-a-half game lead in the division. Mm-hmm. And they have played well against a lot of good teams this year. That's You know, I have a lot of pessimist Twins fans, and they're always complaining about losing to Detroit. And I get it. They should beat Detroit. But they've also taken the season series from the Yankees, the Astros, and now the Phillies. Uh, and they've played some Eastern Eastern teams pretty well this year. And I, I think one of the major developments we're looking at here is that uh, Pablo Lopez has really started to pitch more like an ace than just another good major league pitcher. He's really found himself. Uh, he was excellent on Saturday, and uh, he just looks like a guy nobody wants to face right now. Boy, the fastball is lively. The sweeper or slider, I'm not sure which one he calls it. It's got a lot of break on it. Uh, you know, he uh, when he's right, he is an ace of a staff. I think he has a slider and a sweeper. Okay. Uh, and the sweeper is really effective. Uh, he's got a changeup he doesn't use a lot, but when he uses it, he usually uses it to good effect. He's really got four pitches uh, that really complement each other. And, you know, early in the season, it felt like, there was always one inning or one pitch that just kept him from having a really good outing. And now he really seems to, and a lot of times it was the first inning, now he seems to be getting into his starts faster, mm-hmm. seems to be getting more and more pitchers counts, uh, seems to be finishing people off more. His strikeout rate is really good. His swing and miss rate has gotten better. Uh, it just feels like he's sharpened things up as the season has gone on. Are you concerned about Juwan Duran at this point? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't say panicked. Yeah. Uh, but the fastball's a little off uh, in terms of velocity. The breaking pitches are getting hit a little more often. And, you know, it, and this is where, you know, like Roy Smalley and sometimes me have a differ, different opinion than the Twins analytics people. Twins analytics people uh, really love to point out that, hey, the best, like, everybody loves fastballs, but the most effective pitches in the major leagues are breaking pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they're, you know, and they have mountains of evidence to support that. Mm-hmm. And what Roy, and because I'm a little more of a traditional thinker in this regard, and I, I always think is breaking pitches work best when set up with fear of the fastball. And uh, I just, I want to see Duran get back to throwing that fastball, scaring people with the fastball, and then using his breaking pitch off of it instead of trying to get people out early in the count with the, with the breaking pitch. Hmm. What did you think about Rocco's uh, move to bench Gallo yesterday after he had four hits and two home runs the day before? Did that bother you at all? No. Uh, hmm. Well, let, let's put it this way. I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't hate it as much as 
the angry Twins fan does. Um, uh, it, you know, he did go for four. He was a dominant. He, he's been better lately. Uh, he actually won the game for him. Um, and he's a very good defensive first baseman. So, so I would have played him at first base for two reasons. Number one, he's a very good defensive first baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, number, and yet you, you figured you're going to have to win a close, game, a close low-scoring game on Sunday. And number two, even though he might not match up well with a left-hander or with a certain pitcher, he's the kind of guy who, if you throw him a mistake, he might hit it 500 feet regardless of who's on the mound. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, Vasquez is just not a good hitter. So you know, it wasn't as big a deal to me as it was to a lot of people, but I would have I chosen Gallo over Vasquez for certain. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, maybe Vasquez has more experience at first than I know of, but we haven't seen him there very much. He looks a little fish out of water there. He has played there. He has he's played okay. there throughout his career. He's taking ground balls over there. Okay. Uh, he I, I give him credit. The guy does work at his craft. He hasn't he's had a terrible year. Yeah. Uh, and he's not a good hitter, but uh, he does work at his craft and he can play first base. But Gallo is a better first baseman. There's yeah. no doubt about yeah. it. Royce Lewis uh, ready to come back. Uh, when do you think they might do that? And then uh, you know what what will the infield look like for the Twins? Uh, it could be any minute that mm. they activate Royce. I'm not okay. sure they're going to activate him in time for Tuesday, but it would seem to me that that's what they're going to do. My guess is they wouldn't announce it until tomorrow afternoon if they're going to do it. Uh, just because they have to tell the players going down. They have to organize everything in terms of minor leagues. So it could be any any moment. Could be I, I would think by tomorrow afternoon. If it's not by tomorrow afternoon, probably certainly by Friday. And frankly, the way Rocco manages it's just not that tough. Uh, I mean, you the fact that you had Vasquez playing first base tells you there's room for Royce Lewis's bat in the lineup. Yeah. Um, you, know, you can play Polanco at first. You can play Lewis at third. Uh, you can with Buxton out. It's actually pretty easy. You can you can DH any of those people. So I would think that Lewis is going to take over third. Jewel, I, I would think that Lewis is going to take over third and play against all lefties and some righties. I think Julianne is going to play second base in DH, uh, and DH, mostly against righties. And Correa might need a day off here or there. He is dealing that foot really is bothering him. He's decided to play through it. So you can give him a day off every once in a while. Um, until Kirilov's back, first base is open for almost any of these guys. DH is open. So it's just not going to be very difficult. Ah, uh, and But in part because of injuries that the Twins have, it won't be very right. difficult. Uh, uh, Buxton, any word on him? It's a hamstring out a while yet, or don't, uh, aren't they saying? I think Lewis is close. I think Buxton's a farther out. Uh, I think they really want him to completely reset and be 100% healthy. I don't think they want him to rush back. And also, right now, the way he's swinging, he might benefit from the mental break. He might benefit from a, a rehab assignment where he gets to go punish you know, AAA pitching. Um, and right now, they are kind of benefiting from the fact they have the, the DH slot open, and it makes it easier to ride out of lineup. Yeah. Now, I will also say this. Uh, you know, for years we've been saying, hey, they're a great team when Buxton's in the lineup and they're a bad team when Buxton isn't. It's not as dramatic this year, but they are, I think, five games over 500 when he pl- starts this year, and they're one game under 500 when he doesn't. Now that trend has not been as strong lately. Obviously, they've been winning games without him, but he's still, as bad as he's been, he still has value. Yeah. Uh, FedEx Cup playoffs get underway this weekend. Lucas Glover, uh, what, in May, I think it was, was 185th in the FedEx Cup standings. He's now third after winning uh, this week and, and winning last week. What a story. The guy changes putters, and he becomes suddenly the hottest golfer on the planet. 
It's amazing. He needs to have a talk with Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yes. If Scotty Scheffler had putted well this year, probably would have won two majors, and he would be the number one player in the world by a wide margin. Yeah. Um, uh, and Glover, he's always been an excellent approach shot guy, an uh, iron player. Uh, and, you know, back when he was at his best, he putted pretty well. He went through a putting slump, which so many players do. And then now he's using the, the long, center-shafted, uh, you know, anchored putter. He's finding a way to anchor it without getting called for anchoring. Yeah. And he just looks rock solid over it. And, uh, you know, putting's not my problem, so I'm not – it doesn't really change my game. But, man, I wish they could invent an iron like that. You know, <laughs> can I anchor an iron and just have it go straight every time? <laughs> hey, you know, I – and I, I talked about this with my friend Greg Stone on a podcast today, uh, and and he thinks it's you know kind of getting away with something because anchored yes. putters aren't supposed to be legal, and it sure looks like it's an anchored putter. It does, and there are, it, there's enough leeway in the rule that you can find a way, you know. And, and I don't have the rule book in front of me, but sure. it's like if you don't have it jammed into your sternum, and you're use and you can find a way to get away with it. It looks to me like it's an anchored putter. Uh, obviously, you have rules officials watching them putt 30 times a day who are deciding it's not an anchored putter. I personally don't like the long putter. I wish they were outlawed. Yep. But if they were outlawed, Lucas Glover would still be about 180th in the world. And he'd be about $5 million short of what he has yep. now after the last two weeks. What did you make of it? Uh, did you did you see the, the very last the playoff hole then between the two guys? I, you know, I didn't. I was switched. I was. I can't remember what I was doing, but I did not actually see it myself. Quick explanation: uh, They're on the playoff hole. They're in. They're like within six inches of each other on the green. Uh, Glover puts first. Cantlay steps in, watches the putt, of course. And, but Glover misses behind the hole and left about a foot. And he was going to mark in case Cantlay missed. He would have been able to tap in and have the celebration, the roar of the crowd. He was getting ready to mark, and Cantlay said, "No, please put that out." So he putted it out, so he missed the putt, Cantley did, and it was kind of weird then. You know, Glover yeah. didn't get to enjoy the applause of tapping in for the victory. I thought it was stealing his thunder a little bit for Cantley, because even if Cantley makes it, you know, there's a roar for him, Glover knocks it in, they go to the next playoff hole. Doing it this way set up kind of an awkward moment. What would you have done uh, in that situation? That seems a little... You're not not unethical, obviously, but outside of etiquette, a touch for the pro tour. I think you said it exactly right. It's not unethical. It is against the spirit of the game of golf, where you are supposed to be uh, gentlemanly or gentlewomanly on the course. Uh, mm-hmm. That seems like if it, it's it, it just doesn't strike me as, as right. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you, especially for a, if it's a putt that short, you know, yep. the guy's going to make it. Just, yep. just yeah, I, that that seems wrong. And and listen, it's. That's one thing that's strange about golf is it's supposed to be a combination of competitiveness and mannerliness, if yes. that's a word. Yes. And but I think golf should always try to shade more toward manners and etiquette. I, I just think that you know I, I don't like a game that pretends to be polite but then isn't when when it's crunch time. Which it was not polite. I didn't feel like uh, right. by Cantlay yesterday either. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.